If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. I think it's exactly what I needed because it opened my heart to realizing that other people are suffering and other people have hard things going on and I can do this and I'm stronger than I think I am because my children and my husband were my only friends at the beginning. Our family became so close and we just became each other's best friends and it was a wonderful gift. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Today's guest is Courtney Kimball. And if you remember, Courtney began her stories last week, so this is part two of a two-part interview. I'm your host, Susan Smith, and I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand usually edge-to-edge quilting. If you're not a quilter and those terms don't mean anything to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of the layers of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil, needle and thread attached at a really high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel. It's also called Stitched by Susan. And those air on the first and third Friday of every month. They are streamed live with no editing, so I'm working on a project in real time, and throughout I just chat about the processes and decisions as I work. So they're interactive because they're live, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm in fact working on it. So once again, that's the first and third Friday of each month, and if you'd like advanced notification of what the project will be in an upcoming week, sign up for my newsletter, and I've put a link for that in the show notes. You all know by now that I love my coffee. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, it can be done as simply as going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There, for the price of one delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. Thank you so very much for your support. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. And um, I put a friend of mine in charge down there. She's, she was a, um, just a good friend that I had made. And she had been a doctor, but she had stopped practicing because she was trying to raise her children. So she was just a really great Honduran woman. And her name is Ada. And um, I kind of put Ada in charge of the management of the women. So she would accept their work and, you know, kind of do quality control. And then... Um, at the, at the time, I was having her just go buy fabric in Honduras and give them more work. And who knew when I was going to be able to get back and, get, and pick up what they had made. We, I figured we'll figure that out when we can figure that out. <laughs> but let's just keep them working, these 10. And so we did that. 
And then crazy enough, in November 2020, Honduras was hit by two back-to-back hurricanes. It really devastated the country, especially the area of San Pedro Sula where it's a big valley. And so when the water, when the rain came, it just filled the valley up with water. And these women were sending me horrific videos of their little shacks, you know, being sucked into the water flow or just even them standing on the side of a river videotaping the river and they're watching people going down um, the river because there's no EMS, you know, there's just no real um, setup for helping. I mean, there's obviously some people, but it was so catastrophic, there just wasn't enough people to help. And so you're seeing cars fall into um, sinkholes and just, it was horrific. And it really made life even more drastic and terrible for the people. And it flooded out the airport. And that was the main part is that we were starting to get back where I was going to be able to fly down, give them some more supplies and bring things up. And now the airport is closed down as they try to rebuild the airport because it's completely flooded. And so that put us back another six months. And um, by the time I was able to finally get down there, it was about, it was March, the end of March of 2021 was my first trip back after COVID had started and after the hurricanes. And um, there was a lot of desperation. Um, My 10 women were, you know, secretly giving uh, some work to their mother-in-law or their sister-in-law, somebody who I wasn't working with because that person was, they had nothing. Now any opportunity, before they were kind of, they would sell plates of food to some security guards or they would do washing for a neighbor and make a little bit of money or they would collect recycling and turn it in. But um, all of those little opportunities had washed away, honestly. There was just nothing. And I just cannot imagine living in that scenario where you cannot earn a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. It's not will not, aren't willing. You cannot. I can't imagine. It, um, it was heartbreaking. It was very, very sad. Um, and you would see these little women walking up into the mountains. And I mean, one of them, I know specifically, she's 77 years old and she would come out of the mountains with all of this wood on her back to try to sell it to the people in um, the Bordo, which is the slums there. That's what they call them as Bordos because they're usually on the border of some sort of water source, a river or a lake. And so they just, it's an easy name, Bordo. And um, she would bring down this big thing of wood on her back and she was lucky if she made a dollar. But it was three days of work because it would take her a day to get up there, collect the wood, a day to get back, and she would make one dollar. Um, and so, you know, it's still at that time, our website was, you know, it, I, all I have to say is I have a lot of wonderful family and friends because that's who was visiting the website. I knew 90% of the people who bought anything. <laughs> and I was just so grateful um, for their help. And in, and in the meantime, you know, we were still setting up becoming a 501c3 and having a really great friend doing all of that paperwork for us. He's a lawyer and that's his specialty. And, and so we were getting all of that set up. So I was afraid, you know, to really apply for grants or anything yet because 
because we have the infrastructure in place. Yeah, exactly. You know, it seems like sometimes we had this cart going for <laughs> the horse and we're trying to get ourselves in place. And so it took all of 2021 kind of doing that. But at the same time, our numbers just started to grow. And I to was grow. going to ask that. So, you know, a year <laughs> and a bit later, how has that picture changed? So now we're at 100 women, almost to 100 women that we know of. And it's still because um, because we're still growing. And, you know, there's only so much that, um, you know, I'm trying to keep it so that there's no salaries being paid. Everything is volunteer time. So where there's still a lot of organization, um, my whole garage has turned into one common thread because there's no cars being parked in there. <laughs> it's just... Let's insert here just for a second, talking about your name, which is one common thread. And I caught early on when you were talking about Jocelyn and you realized that she had six children as you had six at home and you realized how many things you had in common. So was that the kind of thing that inspired that name, realizing how many things connect we women to the Honduran women? Exactly. That is exactly because I went down with an attitude of I could really love the children. The children were easy to love because they had no part of catastrophic. The statistics against women are catastrophic. And um, and once I learned that 95% of crimes against women are never pursued, I realized that they're just, they're expendable. Again, and, that is just a position I have no concept of. I've never lived in a place or time or situation where I felt utterly unprotected, you know, by yeah. law, by other humans, by, you know, locks on doors, whatever, you know, I can't, I can't bend my mind around it. It, it was so hard for me to understand. And I was living there and watching it. And I was just like, stand up for yourself. You know, don't take that. And then I would realize, oh my goodness, she has to. That man is the only one that's providing the $4. One woman told me she gets $4 a week from her spouse. Um, they call them um, parejas, which means my my couple, <laughs> um, because they're, not, they're hardly ever married. Um, because it costs money to get married, it costs money to get divorced. And you probably so, need the ID and all the things, right? That you've talked exactly. about that come before. Yeah. Exactly. So they just call them their pareja and they would say, you know, um, which for them means their spouse. Um, you know, he will give me this much and that's all I have to feed our children and to take care of our home. And, you know, she has no education. Now there's, there wasn't really jobs for women before the hurricanes and before COVID. Now there's definitely no jobs for women. The jobs that are available for people in poverty are usually the hard labor manual jobs that the men can do. Um, not saying that the women couldn't do it, but usually they have children. And they're so children are not invited to go to a, a labor yard and work con construction. So these women are really stuck in their in their circumstances. And that's what was great. That that's what was great about sewing is that that was something that they could do at home. But you're right. It was looking at Jocelyn and seeing the things we had in common. She was a woman. She was a mother. She was a sister. She was an aunt. Um, she loved her family. 
and she loved her country. On all honesty, they love their country. Um, it's a beautiful place. I don't think people really understand what Honduras looks like or if they've never been, but in San Pedro Sula, it's so lush and so green and there's so many flowers, gorgeous flowers I could never grow here in Texas. I mean, just spontaneously growing these beautiful bougainvilleas all over buildings. And, um, and I always joke that if you were to walk away from San Pedro Sula in five years, if there was no population there in five years, the whole thing would be overgrown by the mountains and the wildlife because it, everything is always growing there. You know, you spit a, a, a seed into the ground and it grows. <laughs> So, I mean, even their fence posts are turning into trees because it's just there's so much vegetation there and it's beautiful. So it, to me, it's like Hawaii, but a very dangerous version. <laughs> and so and it's hard to explain that to people that it's not. Um, well, at least in this part, it's not desert. It's gorgeous. There's beautiful beaches, um, beautiful people. And then I started to realize, you know, yes, this is a common thread we have is that we are. We're mothers and daughters and sisters, and, and we're women. And let's, let's help these women. Well, I didn't mean to start interrupting you earlier, but my no. favorite thing about your website is you've got a whole section on introducing these individual women and their stories. And, and I won't say they're special stories because they're, they're ordinary, you know, much like mm -hmm. we are. But just the fact that you take the time to show their picture and tell a bit about who they are that's really unique on your website, and I absolutely love that. Thank you so much. I think that it's so important for people to see that um, these are people, these are women, and and they are they really are making this, and and they really do exist, and these are they really have hardships. And I always ask them, "What's the hardest thing you've been through? What's the best thing you've been through?" because um, I always think that's so important into getting to know anybody um, is kind of understanding where they're coming from. And I love to hear their stories of how much they love their family or loved the, you know, they'll be 45 years old and they'll tell me how wonderful their quinceanera was when they were 15. That was the best day of their life. <laughs> and I'm thinking that was a long time ago, you know, <laughs> what else? <laughs> yeah. And, um, no, I just think it's very important for people to know that these are real women with real stories and they are supporting. And and that's the one thing that my sister and I have really tried to do. So as we've been growing, um, I really want to continue to know these people. I don't want to just know these 10 w women that started. I want to know every person that comes aboard. And so when we go down, we, um, we do... Um, you know, a lot of people are, they call them service trips, cause, but they're not really service trips. I don't go down. I'm not building anything. All I'm doing is, is checking in on these women and checking in on their progress and seeing, okay, what have we done? What can we do? What's going on with your kids? Is everybody still in school? Yes, I understand your, that your 12-year-old wants to sew because she wants to help support the family. But I want to make sure that 12-year-old is still doing all of her schoolwork and has the supplies that she needs to be able to be doing her schoolwork and that she has plans to continue to the next grade. You know, I don't want anybody quitting to become a woman. So it's not, it's not a quick fix and it's not a Band-Aid. It's 
it's a way to give them one step, some traction, step forward. So we've never really laid out. So maybe do that for our listeners, what it is now that you are offering on your website, a couple of the types of products that you offer. So um, we, we offer our kits, which are so fun, and we've buried our kits. Um, so you, when you receive a kit, it will be, um, I mean, there, you can see them all on our website, but there's different variations. You know, there's some quilts that have different designs. There's smaller quilts. Um, we call them comfort quilts, or it would be the size of um, a, a baby quilt or a small lap quilt. Exactly. But when you say kit, you mean you're getting a package of basted hexes, right? So the exactly. kit is for you to then take that and, and finish it and make your own quilt. That's what you mean by kit, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's just going to be the hexagon. So you will have everything to sew your um, the, the top of your quilt, the top of your project. And then you'll need to, if you decide, you know, what backing you want to put on or if you want to put in... Um, batting and then finish it off with trim that would be up to you but this will give you everything the hard work for just doing the hexagon tops so we also have we have christmas stockings now we have um some table runner kits and we have some pillow face kits and you know just so that we have small ones all the way up to your large you know something for everybody Mm -hmm. so we have kits on our website and then we also have finished products like finished quilts and those are completely finished and we also have um, finished table runners and we just dove into bags so we now we have different types of bags sometimes we have backpacks those are sold out at this moment but we also have um, I actually took down a Marc Jacobs bag that I had bought and I loved it because it was this cloth bag and it had pockets everywhere and I am a pocket person and I gave it to our Honduran um, quilter, which that's a whole nother story. Let me tell you, that was so hard to find somebody. We might have to do a follow-up on this. <laughs> a, quil- a quilting machine in Honduras was very hard to find. <laughs> um, especially because there's no word for quilting. And Honestly, so- I do believe you because I think the single comment I get the most on my social media posts is from people in other countries. What is this machine and how can I get it? Yes. Exactly. And so when I was going around to different fabric stores and um, seamstresses, I would say, do you know of anyone who has a machine that takes up a whole room? (laughs) And they were like, a sewing machine that takes up a whole room? No, I don't know what you're talking about. And then this one lady said to me, oh, I know a woman. I heard she had to knock out the walls inside her house to make it big enough for her sewing machine. I said, that's the lady I need to talk to. Where is she? (laughs) And so I found the one and only lady in San Pedro Sula. She doesn't know of anybody else who has a quilting machine. Interesting. I wonder how she got it there. Um, She's from New York and she did sewing in, um, well, she's from Honduras. She went to New York, lived there for about two years, learned how to quilt. And she had her brother-in-law invest in her and bought her machine and they went down and out. She basically, her job really is she does a lot of hotels, draperies and bedding and things like that. But um, when I found her, she was so lovely. And she said, I, cause you know, quilting is so expensive. I mean, that would wipe us out. That would make it so we just couldn't do this business if we were having to have them quilted here in the States. And um, 
I went to her and I said, I, it needs to be affordable so I can sell these and that the, the, that, um, the majority of the profit is going back to these women. My goal is to get 100% of the profit going to these women and to get a donor that will just pay for the quilting part, you know, and, and she looked at me and she said, you know, you're helping my people. I would love to help you. And so she gave me an amazing price and, you know, she basically on weekends and, and after work does one common thread for us after she's done. <laughs> so anyhow, she's a lovely woman and very special and, and I was very touched um, by her generosity. But yeah, so that's, I'm sorry, what were we talking about? We, well, we were talking about the different products that you offer. So one was oh, kits right. and the other is basically finished products. So I think you've covered it. I mean, I will certainly put um, links in the show notes to your website so people can go there and, and follow all these areas we've been talking about, meet the various women that are doing the projects um, and see what all you have to offer. But I do that wonder be before wonderful. we go, if you've got some little gem that you would like to leave with us, some little thought or, or nugget that you want to leave with us today. Um, I think that the most important thing that I have learned through all of this, uh, and one thing is that everybody has problems no matter where you're at, no matter where you live, you could talk to your next door neighbor and just realize that their problems are ones that you just would never trade for in a million years. We, every single person is, has some sort of crisis mode and it might not just be what's happening with them, but it might be something that's happening with their child or, or with um, their spouse or, or whomever. Everybody has trials. And all of these women have trials. And I think the best way to um, work through our own tribulations and our own stresses and anxieties is by reaching out and helping other people because it reminds us and it helps put in perspective what we're going through and that we can get through those things. Perspective. When we moved to, so key. Yeah, when we moved to Honduras, I was so, I was sad. I, it was a hard thing. I had left a really great life with lots of friends and my kids having friends down, you know, being in a three bedroom apartment with six children, homeschooling and feeling like I am in the middle of nowhere and I'm kind of in a princess castle. Yes, I live in a, I have a great life, but, um, it's kind of a prison cause I couldn't really go out. And then I started helping these women and it just seemed like, I cannot believe that you were complaining about how hard your life was, Courtney. <laughs> you know, I mean, and it not, it's not just that, you know, it's other things that we, we were going through as a family. Um, right before we moved, we had lost a child and my heart was really broken. It was very devastating. Um, there was a, there's a point where you just don't want to get out of bed because life can be so challenging. And as much as I loved that little girl, um, I knew I had eight other kids that are here on earth and needed me. But my heart was so broken because I didn't know how I could be a mother to these other eight kids when I just was missing one and I needed her. And it was about a year after that happened that we moved to Honduras and... Um, I think it's exactly what I needed because it 
opened my heart to realizing that other people are suffering and other people have hard things going on and I can do this and I'm stronger than I think I am. And I think also because my children and my husband were my only friends at the beginning, our family became so close and we just became each other's best friends and it was a wonderful gift and they've helped me all along with this charity and helping the women and they're just they're wise beyond their years because they will look on their social media and you know I have twin 17 year old daughters and a 15 year old daughter at home right now and they'll say mom look she is so upset because her boyfriend broke up with her and her life is so horrible and she's like she doesn't even realize how lucky she is. She has a car that she gets to drive and she has her mom and dad who love her so much. They might not live in the same house, but there's always a place for her to sleep. There's always shelter. There's always food. She never has to worry about walking down, um, walking to school like these children do. So your children um, have really gained perspective early too, haven't they? They have. They have. And I've been so grateful for that as well, because these these women and their children have taught us more than we could have ever taught them. And it's just all about how we can all help take one care of one another and how we're all on this earth together, having an earthly experience and we can help each other through this. Courtney, your heart is huge. It just shows so much. It has been an honor visiting with you today. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Dear friends, thank you so much for tuning into the show. I hope that you've been moved and touched by today's conversation as much as I have. One of the ways that you can help would be to share this podcast with your friends and also to follow One Common Thread on their social media pages and to like and comment and in other ways interact. All these things really help them to grow their visibility, which in turn helps them to help more of these women and girls in the Honduras. So thank you for doing that. I know that the ladies at One Common Thread appreciate your efforts. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.
Dear friends, thank you so much for tuning into the show. I hope that you've been moved and touched by today's conversation as much as I have. And remember that this was part one of a two-part interview. So come back for next week's episode to hear the conclusion of the story. One of the ways that you can help would be to share this podcast with your friends and also to follow One Common Thread on their social media pages and to like and comment and in other ways interact. All these things really help them to grow their visibility, which in turn helps them to help more of these women and girls in the Honduras. So thank you for doing that. I know that the ladies at One Common Thread appreciate your efforts. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. <laughs>